0: Welcome to episode 19 of the Multifarious Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in with us today. We hope you guys are enjoying the content that we're putting out. If you did, share, tag us, do all that stuff. All the Instagram and stuff will be in the show notes. Today's guest is Dr. Jeremy Dinkin. Dr. Jeremy is a chiropractor based out of New Jersey. And he is one of the earliest inspirations and influences that I've had in this career the fitness industry so as i was taking my first certification i was dealing with some pretty gnarly shoulder issues that i was pretty worried about and so i booked a virtual session with him not honestly expecting very much because i had a very cursory understanding of the chiropractic field in general i you know i'd never been to one or any kind of physiotherapist so i don't really know what they did i only knew that they did all the cracky things Uh, but suffice to say dr jeremy blew me away with how he did things you know, even virtually without, you know, being able to palpate or anything. He had me do a bunch of movement assessments, gave me some breathing drills, gave me some mobility stuff that drastically changed the way that I trained and alleviated symptoms in just bare weeks. So Dr. Jeremy knows what he's doing without a doubt. He's an inspiration to me. You know, apparently before I had some of the connections that I do now, I would just constantly bother him and, you know, bounce certain ideas off of him. And, you know, he bore with me. Still does. I'm very thankful for that. He's very patient. Uh, But yeah, he definitely knows what he's doing. As you'll see from what we talk about, we kind of go over, you know, obviously his education, his lifting history as we do with new guests. But then we also go into how the way that he practices is so different from other chiropractors. Uh, It's an incredibly refreshing take, and I have a lot of respect for it. You know, it's, dare I say, a more virtuous way to do it. Because it's legitimately based off of creating long-term and lasting change in people as opposed to just providing them with a transient sort of you know benefit or brief uh, brief respite from their symptoms and then having them come in the next week. So it's incredibly refreshing if anyone listening is considering a career in the chiropractic field. Dr. Jeremy is definitely someone that you want to talk to, maybe book a session with him, uh, shadow him if possible, if you're in the area. Um, but yeah, so that's basically the important stuff. Find him on Instagram at RSM underscore athlete underscore doc, his website, he'll mention his website at the end and it'll be in the show notes as well. So any pain issues, you know who to call and without further ado, please enjoy the episode. All right. So, I mean, what I usually do with people who run for the first time is kind of just get them to go over their, their education experience and kind of what they do.
1: Okay. So start off.
0: Yeah, go for it. <laughs> All
1: right, cool. Beer um, is so on point, by the way. You're not going to see that. Started...
0: Beer just looks really
1: good. I thought I'd say that. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Thank <fresh>. you. <laughs> <Dude>. um, <laughs> I uh I started my journey, I guess, um, when I was eight years old playing football. Um, and I don't know why. I just, it was a sport that uh, over the years definitely shaped and um, changed my life for the better 100%. And, um, and that passion just stayed with me throughout. And when I was done with football after college, um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so I knew I loved like training. I was obsessed with lifting. I was obsessed with you know, improving myself and getting faster and getting stronger. And I loved nutrition as well. And um, a couple of my early influences was like uh, Lane Norton, um, Alberto Nunez, and those bodybuilding guys, um, because I started getting really into the nutrition side of things. And um, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I was done with football, because that's all I knew. And I didn't go to college for anything special. It was business communication. Um, so I, you know, just another regular degree, um, strictly went to college for football. So I was pretty confused after that as to what I want to do forever. And, um, thankfully my neighbor by chance was a chiropractor. And, um, after, after a game one weekend in college, I had still never been to a chiropractor before in my life. He saw me come in with a neck brace, um, cause I had to drive home and, you know, I, I thought I was like out for a month or two. I had no idea. I was just scared. And, when he saw me walk in, he asked me what happened, cause he was very outgoing, like funny Italian guy who just, like, he's he's just a, he's like a comedian, and so he of course was making conversation with me, and this is before I even knew him too well, and he was like, "Come on, bro, let me let me," so I was like, "There's no way this guy's touching my neck," uh, and I, I'm not even gonna trust him. I'm not going to his office. Long story short, he reeled me in. He told me if, I, if he hurt me, I could sue him for millions. So I was like, all right, that's a fair deal. Uh, he ends up cracking my or adjusting my whole spine and he gets to the neck and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, no, I, I'm, I really don't want it, I'm good. Like I can't even turn to drive. Like I'm, I don't want this to happen. He talks me into it again and he adjusted my neck and I was one of those people that had a crazy reaction like turning full range of motion after that, no pain, no stinger anymore. Um, I could drive home and like move my neck. It was crazy. And so I had a really good first experience with chiropractic. And, um, that actually was the, the influence of me going back to school because I really I had no intentions of going back to like, to get my doctorate. I did want to be like some, I wanted to do something within the training space, but I didn't think it was going to be, you know, that much of an investment. So it took me a while to kind of say, all right, this is what I'm doing. Um, I know that I'm going to take on some more debt. Um, So I was kind of worried about that, but I finally took the leap of faith. And so I went into the chiropractic school. That's how I got there. Um, Went down in uh, Southern California, which thankfully is one of the most um, evidence-based chiro schools out there. So in the beginning, again, I still had no idea what I wanted to do. I was in chiro school. I'm going to be a chiropractor. That's cool and fine and dandy. But the guy who um, adjusted my spine was actually, he practices very different from what I do now. So I still had, you know, very... I had no thoughts and, and like, I didn't pinpoint exactly what I wanted to do. So it took me at least five terms through school to figure out, okay, this is what camp I'm going with. Kind of kind of staying away from like the personal injury, like quick crack and, and stim and adjust and then see you later. Um, I was kind of straying away from that. I knew I didn't want to do that. I knew I wanted to kind of bridge the gap between rehab and Cairo and training. And so You know, through shadowing multiple doctors who were, I had no business going in there, but I just weaseled my way in. Um, I forced myself into like top offices in Southern California. Um, They all ended up, you know, appreciating my eagerness to learn. So they invited me back a bunch of times. I even did an internship with one of them who is still one of my idols and mentors um, to this day, Dr. Murray in Southern California. Um, He was like an Olympic chiropractor, huge into the weightlifting crew. Um, He's just, he's like a walking textbook, very knowledgeable. Um, and he definitely inspired me big time in the beginning. And, um, but you know, I, he was more, um, he worked with more gen pop still in his clinic. And I, and I wanted to do more of like, in the beginning, I wanted to do like sideline NFL. Um, and I wanted more of like the high impact, you know, powerlifters, NFL guys. Um, I wanted more of that crew. So, you know, I, that's how I kind of went off, off campus and did a bunch of seminars for myself, um, where I learned a ton, networked with a ton of people. And I kind of slowly, just like a sponge, kind of soaked up the stuff that I liked and that I thought was beneficial for people. And, um, and then, you know, that gave me the confidence to come out of school, graduate and start my practice right away. And so that's kind of my, my background and how I landed here. Um, and then of course, after school, that, that eagerness to learn never stops. Because I feel like that's just its ingrained in me now from, from my football days, going back to that. Um, it's just the, the self-improvement and the discipline it takes to you know, be the best in your, in your profession. Um, it's just stuck with me. And, and I love that, that hunger just to always be better. And I think that's separated myself from the, from the rest of the crew. And that's why I love what I do now. It's kind of like unique, a unique way to practice as a chiropractor. But I think it's slowly picking up a little bit more steam throughout the country. So um, I just like to be, you know, someone who inspires other people now as well, uh, just as they once inspired
0: me. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously, for those who don't know, very, very early in my very, very early in my coaching career, we can call it that. I, you know, I hit you up, you know, know, like a consultant because I had like some shoulder issues I was working with. I was very surprised by the way you did things. It was very unique compared to, you know, what I knew about how kairos operate with a very sort of quick adjustment, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that from the beginning, that was something that really stuck with me in terms of your, your strong moral convictions, if we can put it that <laughs> way, to, you know, to the way you do it. I to have a lot of respect for it. So what about how you practice is different from, you think, from most people? That's a, that's a great question. And that's basically how I approach
1: every, um, every marketing tactic. Every post is like, I have to, I have to be a different chiropractor. There's a chiropractor on every corner in Southern California. And now in New Jersey, it's getting popular as well. So, you know, I knew that when I started my own practice, like I knew I had to provide something of super high value. Um, and I knew that I had to be different. And so I started off by being, um, cash-based which isn't super uncommon, but it's, um, you know, people, especially New Jersey with a bunch of unions around, um, people like to use their insurance. So I knew that was an uphill battle, but I do every session as an hour. So with the assessments, with the, um, you know, rehab, with the manual therapy, with the adjustments, and then with the, uh, you know, one-on-one coaching, there's no possible way I could have fit that in 15 minutes. There's zero chance. So I knew right away I was gonna do longer sessions, provide more value per session and just be a little bit more expensive price wise in in cash. And, um, I was very anti insurance in the beginning. So that was another reason why I went cash. I just thought that it was all like, you know, first of all, they treat chiropractors and rightfully so because they used to take advantage back in the day. Um, and some still do, (laughs) but that's another story. They take advantage of the system. And so I was just like, I'm not even dealing with that. I'm not playing the game because it's literally a game you they want to see stuff on your note and if they don't see it you don't get paid so the chiropractors in response to that have to do you know a totally different way of doing a note um, a daily note like based on what you did that day and it's just I wasn't buying into it and I was like you know almost almost resented it at one point point. and so I was like you know what I'm not going to take insurance I'm going to be strictly cash my all my sessions are going to be an hour I'm gonna I'm gonna pride myself on doing the education portion, which is teaching people the biomechanics, um, going above and beyond on empowering clients instead of like instilling fear, which some chiropractors do. I'm Not gonna say all of them, but most. um, You know, I don't do X-rays. I have nothing fancy. I'm in a gym, which is all I need. My hands, a table, and you know, a couple tools here and there. But that's all I really use. Um, And I really, really work on the communication stuff. So I'm open to I'm open 24 seven with my clients. It's all week long. You can text me, call me, DM, whatever's easier. Um, I'm basically like a, a strength coach, just send me videos, send me techniques. If you have questions, I make myself available just because like, I know no other chiropractors are doing that. And I know with my background in strength and conditioning and nutrition and all that, it just all, it's like the perfect storm for somebody. And so if they have any questions at all in terms of recovery, nutrition, training, rehab, whatever it may be, I always make myself available. Uh, for better, for worse, you know, people have my, my personal line. Um, But I just, I always wanted to be different. And so I wanted to provide that super high value care. And uh, it's my job to now market that and explain to people because, you know, I do get that question of like, how is this different from the guy down the street? And so I used to be petrified of answering that. I used to be petrified of answering why I don't take insurance, but now I'm extremely proud of why I don't. And um, it's very easy for me now to just have that conversation with someone because I know what I provide. And now that I'm two and a half years in, um, I definitely have the confidence that I once didn't have. I was always, you know, a little timid of kind of going off on my own and because it's literally just me. Um, I have a virtual assistant. She helps me with like emails and all the backend stuff, but it, and, and we are a team, but treatment wise, it's just me and the client. And you get my undivided attention for the full hour. I don't put anybody down and walk away. And like, you know, I don't have like three tables set up and put someone on stand and walk away. It's one-on-one the whole time. Um, And I thought by doing that, I would definitely separate myself and, um, you know, create that unique experience for somebody where they, you know, feel like a connection. They feel safe. They feel like they can trust me, which is a huge one. And I double down on the education, like I said, make sure that they're understanding what I'm saying. You know, I repeat a lot of my stuff. I'll check in with their rehab exercises and all that.
2: Uh, Super awesome to hear your approach to things. And so on the flip side of that, what would you say? I'll try to phrase it slightly less negatively than I had it in my head. But if you could change, (laughs) what, what would you change about sort of the chiropractic industry as a whole and also
1: like the education behind it as well? I would definitely this is an amazing question actually, because i I didn't know in the beginning, but you know some people are you know the older people are harder to to um you know change I guess because i've changed I've changed within two years, and that's you know if you don't change you you slowly dissipate so um I don't practice anything like I did two years ago, so I think that um having having the awareness that everything is changing at all times um, is a huge one. And I think like, if, if we were to just instill a better curriculum and a little bit more of like the evidence-based stuff and a little bit of, and, and get rid of a little bit of the outdated stuff, because everybody who practices like me, and there's not many, but we have to jump through loops and, a, and a ton of hoops in school, right? Like, cause you're, you're listening to the teacher talk and you're like, there's no way this could be right. But like, it's just, crazy it's outdated information and so i think chiropractors and schools in general as a whole we definitely need to upgrade the curriculum and take out the stuff that's like 20 years outdated um and start to you know promote a little bit more of the evidence-based stuff and a little less of the philosophy because the school thankfully my school wasn't that bad with philosophy but you know i don't want to call out any schools but there's a couple schools out there that you know pride themselves on the chiropractic philosophy and and the bone in, bone out, you know, subluxation theory and all that—that's truly what they base their practice on. And so, um, it's not—it's not necessarily the student's fault who eventually become doctors. It's kind of the school's fault because they're teaching that and they're giving you the information and they're just consuming it. Um, you know, thankfully, I had, like I was saying, that eagerness to learn and that like just burning desire to keep learning. So a lot of the things I learned that helped me today were off campus. Unfortunately. So that's why I meant like, you know, you jump through those hoops, you do what you got to do, you pass the tests, you know, you know, the answer is what they want to see, even though deep down, maybe you don't agree with it, but you have to pick it, you have to get the good grades, and then you have to pass boards. And then from there, you know, you take it and run with it. But I think there definitely needs to be a switch up in the curriculum. There needs to be some continuing education courses that help the older guys, um, you know, trying to change their views a little bit. But I think that would be a huge start for the chiropractic profession
2: so is is there much in in the way of um like reassessment as so you finish your degree you're qualified and then you know um are you reassessed periodically throughout your career or is it you're free to go and practice how you like
1: that's that's actually i like how you worded that because I just had to squeeze in. 30 continuing education credits because none of the courses I took counted because they want, again, those specific courses that you should take that have to do with like, you know, like chiropractic um, based courses. So none of the rehab, none of the training stuff I took, none of the prescript courses counted. Um, And I know Jordan's working on that, but um, so I had to take 30 continuing education credits of stuff that I've learned years ago in school. So not really, to be honest, like they don't really check up on you because you have to, you know, pick those required courses that fit your schedule and that fit their agenda. And it's, it's, you know, I I was taking these courses and I'm like, damn, I took this stuff already in school. Like nothing's really changed. They had maybe one or two that interest me, but out of the list of like 20, I was like, this is, we got to do better than this. And that's, and that's every two years. That's not even every year. So every two years you have to take or you have to pass 30 credits of continuing continuing education courses that the chiropractic um, profession has approved. So, again, I took, I don't want to tell you guys, but uh, a hefty amount of money was spent on education in the past two and a half years and none of it counted. So it just kind of raises an eyebrow um, as to what is required and what, you know, I think it needs to be a little more stricter. Uh, that's that's very interesting and I guess if, if on the sort of front
2: end of it when you're doing that main bulk of your education if they're not willing to change and change with the times I guess those re- the, the sort of reassessment becomes almost more and more mundane and a bit more sort of I guess depends on how you're looking at it but to some extent pointless if it's the same stuff you're learning back in school and you find that as you start to practice and get your hands on clients in the real world, that actually this is very little application to how I practice and how I believe like best practice is maintained.
1: Exactly. None of it was I like, none of the courses I took in the past couple of days have contributed to what I'm going to do tomorrow morning. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's, it's tough, but again, you got to do what you got to do in order to maintain your license and to obtain it in the beginning. Um, But I think what separates, you know, and and hopefully that's, that's what uh, continues to give me separation from the rest of the pack is because I actually go above and beyond. I find the information that helps me um, implement information that's going to help my clients. So I think that's a huge one. Um, And again, we have to do better as a profession, but until then,
0: I'm just going to keep running with what I know. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of wanted to get into a little bit of the science of it because it's just, you know, kind of what we're out with the PSL2 stuff. But I just find it very interesting. I like to understand different approaches. And so a large part of it is like at the level of the, of the nervous system, right, where it, a large part of it is pain, right, like removing pain. That seems to be a large part of the thing that chiropractors do. And so like pain, I think it's like an alpha or an A gamma transmission or it transmits very slowly to the brain. And slightly faster mm-hmm. at the A beta is like pressure, uh, like deep pressure, light touch, vibration, heat, skin stretch, all those things, which tend to like lead, you know, skew more towards the kind of implements or adjustments that chiropractors do. And then even faster than that is proprioception and muscle stretch, right? And so being basically that the most effective way to beat pain, the most lasting way is to do with like proprioception and muscle stretch, which is not as easy or not as not as not as not as not as quick and not as transient but more effective long-lasting and so like in our last podcast um kyle baxter he kind of mentioned like the 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 marriage of those two concepts is using those sort of faster implements that may that, that like the chiropractors and i don't know like I, i'm asking right but like the chiropractors implements or or, or adjustments or things that they do may stop at you know those deep pressure light touch vibration heat those kind of things but you really want to use those in order to just, just access the range of motion that you want to get into and then build stability over time and deep pain you know long-term how it be something that you can actually turn into you know like a long-term thing through proprioception and through, through muscle stretch so where, where does that factor into you know exactly what you're saying about the education and you know the how things should be improved
1: That is actually, you just described how I practice. So I do still adjust a lot of my clients. um, And I feel like there's a good, um, you know, it's kind of almost like an endorphin release, you know, it's not putting a bone back into place. It's just a quick signal to the brain. It's like, Whoa, this feels good. Right. And then we go right into the gym or sometimes I even stay in my room if it's simple, basic rehab, but we go into the gym and we use that, moment of wow this feels amazing to now give the people confidence that they can get into these certain positions um certain ranges of motion you know it's it's more of a like you said a temporary benefit because it does send a signal to your brain that says like it's an endorphin so it's like oh wow this feels really good um let's you know now i feel more confident in getting into this like you know 90 degree squat or whatever it is um so i use soft tissue. And I use all those things to create that, like that acute change where your nervous system is like reading it. And it's like, okay, like this doesn't feel as bad as I thought. Now let's go, let's go move around with this new type of sensation. We'll say, so that's what I use. And then I load people up because without the load, you're not really going to change much. And so that's another reason how I separate myself is, is like, I definitely, I'm not afraid to load people. I make sure it's within, you know, reason. Um, I don't baby people though, and I don't go to, you know, RPE 10 right away either. I just find that, you know, balance where I know I can kind of get a good read on how someone moves, um, you know, their training experience. And so I kind of go based on that and according to that. But we always do the manual therapy and the adjustments prior for that specific reason. You know, send the nervous system the signal that everything's okay or feels okay, and then we go in and we move around and load it.
0: Very interesting, and so this is actually kind of leads into a question that I've been kind of wondering for myself. Yeah, um, so where where do you think static stretching fits in? Like, static stretching is this is this concept that is, I think, to a certain degree, bastardized by a lot of like, you know, the, the newer content. Mm-hmm. Some people say that you shouldn't do it. Some people say that you should. Where do you think is the best implement? Do you think it's best suited, you know, before How, does it limit force production in any way? Where where does that fit? I that seems to be a common one. Yeah, on, that's right?
1: a very common one. I tried to post about this, but it's kind of hard to say in words. So or like typing it. <laughs> but I should definitely do a video yeah. on this because it's a very common question. So it depends on the person, of course, because you know, you get those dancers that are insanely flexible but have tight hamstrings. So for people like them, and actually for most people, it's like the education, right? They like to think like, oh, I have tight hamstrings. Like I just got to stretch right away. That's always the first like thought for most people. So my goal is to just let them know, like, we don't really need to stretch. You know, you're, you know, you're flexible, right? So why would it make sense to try to be more flexible there? So I put them in different positions that kind of they've never been in before and to their surprise they feel much looser after so i go based on like positioning for people like them for the big powerlifter guy who feels good if he stretches i'm like that's fine go ahead stretch but just realize what you're doing and it's very temporary right like if you if people like to do it i'll say why not it's not going to hurt you but are there better ways to attack it yes and then you have to think neurologically as well because if you have single-sided hamstring tightness um, and you have low back pain and, you know, we've gone through the assessment and I'm thinking that it's stemming from the lower back. Then we got to, then we got to attack it a different way. And there's definitely no stretching involved because stretching pisses off the nerves. So it's usually about getting into the proper position. Um, and I don't, I don't try to hate on stretching because I try not to be, you know, negative about too many topics with people. I try to, you know, if they like it, go for it. Why not? As long as it's not like irritating something further, I have no problem with it. Um, but just letting them know that you basically, if you're good at stretching, you're just basically increasing your tolerance to it. It's not really like stretching tissues. And I have to explain that to people because they don't really know or really care. You know, like I have to realize that most people that I work with don't care about the deep, deep science about it. You know? So I just, I try to keep it as basic as I can so that they take home stuff that they're actually going to implement and be like, Oh wow, I actually learned something today. And it wasn't like, a million words thrown at me and I'm like and and the person leaves like what the hell that's not never my goal is to sound like supremely powerful and knowledgeable over somebody I try to always make it you know comfortable for them to learn and understand so that when they leave they can go back to their significant other or their family members and say oh this is what I learned today and it was really beneficial because that's how the word of mouth referrals also come through
0: (laughs) yeah exactly Yeah, that's interesting. So you would say that sort of the implements used that or that you use before lifting are the, 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 the primary thought process is just getting people to get into positions that they're not getting into rather than just making them better at where they already are.
1: I have switched my thought process on that a lot recently. Like I used to really, yes. So the position thing is actually more of a newer thing for me. Um, And it's been just because I've seen, you know, results in my office um, and in my, in my own training, I kind of like took it and ran with it. Um, And, you know, learning more of the new, the newer stuff that I'm learning is, is really beneficial to implement in practice in terms of rehab. So I was trial and and erroring myself. Um, And I really enjoyed, you know, focusing on the positioning stuff instead of just, trying to adapt right away, right away, like slowly, like a graded exposure type. Um, and I think the positioning stuff was just much more effective in the beginning.
0: Okay, so can you get a bit of deeper into that? Because like, for example, the, the the understanding of stretching for positions that I'm more accustomed to is, for example, say with bench, right? If you know that you have a somewhat rounded thoracic posture, you're kind of probably stuck in a little bit more into the rotation as more powerlifters tend to be. Rather than stretching the pec arbitrarily, for example, you would stretch the lat because the lat pulls you into internal rotation. You want that. You want decreased. I think the term is tonus in that muscle, so that you're able to get into the position that you want. That's my understanding of it. But based on what you've sort of experienced with, what have you found? So instead of just going straight for the muscle, I would
1: look to position the rib cage directly under a skull, and then a pelvis directly under that. So you're kind of getting that stack position. So the muscles don't have to be pulled in significant ways. So for example, you can do a wall. You can do like almost like a, I don't even know what to call it. But anyway, you're pushing your, your rib cage back in space and you're standing on a heel elevation, right? So you're getting your rib cage farther back instead of being super extended. You're kind of pushing your rib cage back. You're letting the scaps kind of move forward and you're getting your chin packed nicely over the rib cage and you're holding holding that position while breathing. So I'm big on the breathing stuff. Um, always have been, but now I'm even more, um, down that rabbit hole. So I really focus on the breathing and controlling positions under breath because it really forces people to stay there and control it. So that that way, when they go into their, you know, let's say a bench press, they've created that relative motion that, that range of motion that, It's just enough to get them through without pain and without that, like, you know, forceful extension that causes, you know, potential injury down the road or tightness, whatever it may be. Um, So I have to get them, you know, in that special position where they can now breathe, own it, and then go into their, into their training so that we do have that extra bit of like
0: range of motion available. That makes sense. Kind of. I'm just trying to like sort of bridge <laughs> the gap or like um it's a it's just it's a strange the thought process to me, you know, not one that I'm too familiar with. So like the it's almost like a hook line position, similar to that? Um no,
1: it's standing. Okay. It's standing in a like a, in a quarter squat and you're shoving your rib okay. cage back in space because usually it's kind of forward like this, right? So you're getting the rib cage to come back and you're getting the scaps to open up on the backside of the rib cage as well. Right? So now the muscles of the back and the chest can kind of relax without even stretching them. They're not working to do anything because they're in that stacked position. And now you're breathing through it. You're calming down the nervous system by breathing and you're owning that position. That way you get that moment of, you know, ideal positioning and then you go into the bench Instead of wasting your time stretching for twenty minutes, is there a time and place for stretching? Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, the breathing thing is super interesting. I'm the the only. Yeah, I'm just because like you'd be put you'd be positioning yourself in a more stacked position, but then undoing the stack right because you'd be arching again for the bench. Yeah, which is why it's not something that clicks instantly.
1: Exactly. It's it takes time, especially you know because well you're kind of going for like an acute change, right? And there's this thing called um, the attractive or uh, attractor state theory. I don't believe mm. there's anything like significantly proven on this theory, because that's why it's still a theory. Um, but you basically trick your nervous system into, like, let's say you're constantly in that arched thoracic spine like you were talking about, right? And we got you in that unique position where you're not used to. Your body's like, oh, this is new, right? So we get you into more of like that stacked position with like a you know, the rib cage comes back a little bit. You're not as arched. Your pelvis is underneath you and your head's right on top. Your body's like, oh, wow. Like, this is different. And you're breathing through that and you're, create, like, you're saying like, oh, this is my new normal for a second. That's why it works. Because it's like a temporary trick to your nervous system. You know what I'm saying? Instead of just hammering through, hammering through, hammering through.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It's sort of like the... Like the idea of like a dimmer switch that term has been thrown around a lot in, in explain like that one. but like but like, you ba- like similar to the idea of how like the implements of stretching or adjustment deep pressure light touch, and that you know if if the if the muscles quote unquote tight or feeling pain in a certain position then that dimmer switch is like if the body doesn't know where it is or, then it'll cause tightness and so the like activating the dimmer switch and decreasing overall I think again the term is tonus I'm not sure if I'm using that correctly via you know stretching via all that so is it just a different way of creating that and like sort of dimming the light so to speak
1: yeah I, I think so because when you're in that stack position you're not really in a concentric or eccentric position for the for the muscles hmm. so you're not forcing the muscle to do much and that's what causes it to relax. And then you add the breathing on top of that. And I feel like you get a good result with everything calming down.
0: That's really interesting. So would you, it's, that's, that. I'm, I'm gonna try that now. I'm try to try all these things. So like you would sort of add that into, you <laughs> add that into the other implements just as a preparatory thing, like for your lifting. That's actually, that's really cool. Exactly.
1: That or rehab, because um, A lot of people can't there's no such thing as bad posture in my opinion it's just the one that people are stuck in for a long time and so when you get them to be into that new position when you get them into that new position and then you have them breathe through it they're kind of like owning that position for a little bit and they're changing they're getting out of that you know position that they're always stuck in and usually that makes people feel you know weird but very good it's like oh this feels different i'm not you know here (laughs) So changing the position of the skeleton, I should say, is a little more specific. Um, instead of attacking the musculature first would be my first option for people.
0: Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense too. Like one thing that has kind of drilled into me that I've kept hearing is the idea that the internal stimulus is more effective than an external stimulus. And so this sort of the bone to pick with the implements of the Theragun or the massage or whatever, is that it is an external stimulus, which is why it's so transient. And that proprioception and muscle stretch is more internal, therefore more long-lasting. But what exactly what you're saying, the idea of creating that position within your body is actually internal, which I would assume lends itself more to it being a long-lasting change, at least more so than the other transient implements of the Theragun, et cetera.
1: Yep, totally agree with that. And that's exactly why I do the Manual therapy, ferragon whatever it may be, first with clients. And that way we go into the gym and they have that like transient change. And now we can do more of like the loading stuff, which will hopefully, you know, provide longer lasting results.
2: So without spilling too many, uh, you know, deepest, darkest company secrets of how you treat people, so you do your sort of more manual, your transient stuff. And let's say, take Saluji's example of powerlift, you know, stuck in internal rotation. Um, How, so you do your transient stuff, you maybe do this, the quarter squat with the stacking of head, ribcage, pelvis. What then do you look to tackle from there? So what's the process?
1: Depending, yeah, depending on, so every person, every session gets an assessment um, and included in that assessment is their available range of motion. So depending on what they need, um, depending on body type and structure, depending on their goals, um, all of that information is obtained first so that I know what to do. So I'm not just guessing. Um, If you go into most physical therapy clinics, chiro clinics, they're essentially just guessing because there's no assessments, if any, being done. Um, and they're just, you know, basically doing the same treatment with most people that they do with everyone. So I go off the top of my head each day, each client, um, based on their table results, what I rank, what I measure in range of motion, what i what I see in orthopedic testing. Um, and then based on what their goal is, what their training experience is. So it could vary from person to person. Sometimes we go, sometimes we go straight from manual therapy and, and the adjustments right into basically a training session. It's like, it'll change with everybody. Some people come in with a hot disc, they call it some like, you know, huge flare up the night before lower back. It's shooting down the leg. Like I can't, I can't squat with that person yet, (laughs) yet, but you know, we get that person into a comfortable position. That's my goal with them first and probably focus more on like low level entry level stuff in the beginning until they calm down and then slowly build it back up. Um, So that's like two extremes. You know, some, some some sessions with me look just like normal training. And that's because I feel like the person is ready. They're experienced. Um, they know what they're doing. And it's just me basically coaching them through movements that are going to prevent them from getting injured in the future.
2: So, yeah, though, it's, just, it's just fascinating, though, because, yeah, like I said, we don't have – I've never encountered a Cairo over here. And –
1: yeah, it's, it's just to, to, your, uh, to your point, how you said about physios too, like no, no profession in this industry is, is safe. Like physical therapy, I've seen some bad physical therapists as well and worked with them. So it's, it's not just kairos who get the bad name. It's physical therapists as well. Um, uh, what's it called? Acupuncture. Um, you know, there could be good and bad in, in every industry but just because Cairo's got a bad name doesn't mean those guys aren't bad either. And, um, I think everybody can, you know, lift each other up and, and push for better education in the, in the school systems. Cause that's where it all starts. Yeah, definitely. And I, it's just, yeah, I just find it fascinating
2: listening to people speak on their philosophy of how to go about things, especially someone like yourself, who's sort of, to put it in layman's terms sort of so with the times in the sense of you stay on top of your education whether whether it's whether it's accepted by the boards that give you your license or not it's but <laughs> you stay you stay on top of what is i think and Saluja will agree with this like from my point of view is like the relevant information that will help people and it, it's just yes yeah, the amount of physios osteos and you know other medical professionals who just seem to be so like outdated it's like my GP right. told me to, to not take creatine. And that was just like, yeah, I've lost all faith in medical professionals. So it's just like, yeah, even
1: like... MDs, man, it's nobody is safe. I had an MD, I had one friend referring me clients, one doctor that I just, you know, made friends with. We trained together actually. Um, and that's usually how I gain people's respect anyway. <laughs> but he was sending me clients and, you know, what, what they were relaying, to me was that he was saying they had a weak core and that was causing their back pain. And so I just, I couldn't get on board with that. And even though he was an MD and he was sending me clients, I just didn't have it in me deep down to send people his way. Cause I didn't want them to get that information. So it's very tough to find people you trust. And especially with me, like I'll never sell myself out. Um, if I, I just don't have it in me. I'm not a salesman guy. I'm not a car salesman. I have zero part of that in my body. So if I don't like something that someone's doing, I'm not getting involved. And so whether for better or for worse, like I have a very small referral system with other doctors. And um, if I do trust you, it's it's great because that's a rarity. And I know that the person that I'm sending your way is in great hands. It's the same thing with like supplements. I'm not going to tell people to take something if I've never tried it. I strictly recommend, you know, a couple of vitamins here and there that I personally take. That's it. Same brand. Um, I've been using them for years. I, I have no sponsorships or ties with anybody. I, tr- I don't have to sell anybody anything, but because I take the supplement and I believe in it and I love it, I'll recommend that to some people. But people ask me all the time about supplements. I'm like, I never tried it. I don't know. This is the protein or, or multivitamin that I take. I really like it. Uh, or else I wouldn't be taking it. And this is what I believe in, and and you can try this one if you like, but this is what works for me. And it's the same thing with with rehab and stuff. I wouldn't send somebody to, you know, the Cairo down the street if I wasn't going there. I just like how you
2: sort of drew drew the parallel between, like, just supplements and then rehab as well and, like, operating within your scope and your own sort of wheelhouse and what you've experienced because it's, it's pretty much like anything in the industry and you know um, when we had eric baguero on he was really good sort of saying like he, he can coach people to get somewhat strong probably do their first sort of few powerlifting meets and get to a good level of strength but he himself has not squatted 800 plus pounds so you probably wouldn't go and coach offer to coach like a top level powerlifter and it's the right. same it's like your own experience can count for so much in in the industry because if you if you've if you've been it and you've been through it and experienced it yourself then you know you probably are in one of the best positions to speak on something and give advice on that particular subject
1: exactly and that's why I'm not saying that I'm one of the strongest doctors in the state, but <laughs> that's why I have a unique niche that I market to. And because I still train hard and I'm still passionate about it, those people typically come in to see me. And it's very fun to work with those people because we speak the same language. I don't have to pretend I'm some, I'm not. Everybody knows who I am. You know, I try to post as much as I can on Instagram um, and and people trust that. They trust me because I'm, I'm doing what they're doing and I know what I'm talking about. I don't have to be, you know, faking it or whatever and, and BSing with people about what I think I know. Like I'm, I'm literally training as hard as I can, just like they are. So they, clients appreciate that very much because they know that you've been through the struggle as well. I've come back from a couple injuries myself. And so I get to, you know, tell them my story and give them hope as well, which is huge because when you're dealing with pain and injury a lot of places you go forget that part everybody's human and you know you have to have those conversations about like you can overcome this i've overcame it a lot of my clients overcome pain and injury they've gotten back to what they've done in the past and gotten even better um so it's just those that's where i separate myself i think the most is like i have those conversations with people because i could speak from experience and so People appreciate that, and they relate to you, and they just feel a lot more comfortable with someone as a doctor who's been
0: through it with like similar to what they've done. Yeah, and to that point, like one of the, one of the like I like there are several questions that I probably have asked like almost every guest that I've had on thus far. Some of it is like sport specificity, but this is the, the other one is like, and especially for the more experienced and like the veterans in the field, to what degree do you think? like how much it kind of what, what Tom was saying At what point does, at what point do you operate within your scope in the sense that like this idea that, you know, if you haven't reached a certain level of strength, you shouldn't coach people beyond this level of strength or, and I guess so, and that's like, a, it's like a fairly easy parameter to understand like, you know, what he's saying about coaching the guy with 800 pound squat. Now, mm. as it pertains more to your field in terms of the Cairo, the Cairo scene, What, you know, how much experience do you think is like, should be like a barrier of entry, for example, right? And each step of the way.
1: Yep. Um, That's tough because there's so many people that practice differently. Um, Mm. It's tough to make a broad, broad, like first step for everybody. Like for me, like I don't feel too comfortable with post-op ACL. So I would say that to someone in a, and I have this thing called a discovery session where it's like basically a free consult. And if someone's coming to me, you know, right before they're getting an ACL injury or ACL surgery, um, you know, I'm like, you know what, I know how to do it. I could probably do it pretty good, but I don't do it often. So I don't feel comfortable taking your health in my hands without that confidence. You know, that that you got to know like that, if that's what you're talking about. Yes, I definitely um, think that people should know and not try to be the hero in every situation, right? Like it, it's, you're dealing with someone's life and, and their health. So it's not a game and most people play it that way and they just think they can fix everybody and, and or fix everybody <laughs> and, you know, be captain, save the day. But you, I think an even better skill is knowing when to refer out. And for, for me, it's post-op ACL. Like I think there's places that hopefully do it better than me because they do it so often. Um, And I just feel like knowing when you can help somebody and when you can't, I think that's, that's a great skill to have and acquire. Um, But in terms of like the, if you don't squat 800, you shouldn't coach someone who squats 800. I don't know how I feel about that. I think, you know, obviously if you're like, I I coach squats by 800 and um, I've helped him out with a couple of rehab things. I don't, I don't feel, you know, lesser just because he squats double what I squat, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, I feel like you can apply similar concepts. You can help in your own unique way. Um, and you can try your best, but again, I, I wouldn't, if he, you know, if that person had, uh, an ACL tear, I would be like, this is what I would do, but I would suggest you go, you know, get, get in with the right people who are very comfortable with this. Yeah, it's it's
0: it's exactly that, like the 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 merging of experience versus theoretical knowledge, like mm-hmm. getting someone big, there's a limited amount of science that goes into it, right? Like, you know, getting your average skinny dude to put on some muscle is the same core underlying principles apply to like bulking someone for for like a show, right? Or like a higher level athlete. Same thing with strength. Mm-hmm. Like right? right like coaching barbell lift for someone who's new in their training age it's still the same right. lift the same muscles that are working the same movement patterns that are happening farther up the chain so it's like at, at what point the, it's like this balance of two different things that even me i'm still sort of figuring it out for myself but like how much do you need to know versus how much do you need to actually be in it yourself and like those sort of that balance of the, Ooh, that's a go good one. With them, right because like you can't only be yeah, the guy that's... who knows all the sciencey things and doesn't go into the gym. At the same time, the guy who always, or lives in the gym and like has a sixth-grade reading level is probably not going to make the best coach, right? So it's like that exactly. that strange combination. That's a that, um... point. That is tough,
1: but um, you know, I it's tough because some people I know that um, I would trust more in terms of training and rehab than I would with the older people. And then, you know, for, uh, for other things, such as let's say communication, I might trust the older guy instead of the younger guy who's going in there full Dunning-Kruger effect, you know, walking in like strutting like McGregor thinking he's the man. Um, It's tough. I guess it's based on each individual and each um, person, but I, I don't think that there's any secrets that people think they're always missing out on, which I used to suffer from as well. I always was like, What's the secret? Like what like that's probably what drove me to take so many courses is I thought there was like I was always missing something, you know? And as you gain experience, you realize, oh, there are no freaking secrets. It's just it's just, you know, you have to know that each individual is unique. That's the secret, I guess. It's like everybody's gonna have different response to different stimulus. Like I don't do the same manual therapy to every single person because it's not realistic and they don't respond in the same way as other people do. I don't apply the same pressure. I don't adjust the same exact way. I don't give them the same
0: exact rehab exercises. It's all the same, but it's not yeah, the that's, same. <laughs> Yeah, that's really cool. Cause you kind of like almost described exactly like the sort of paradigm shift that I had like when I got into coaching. Cause that's exactly how I approached it, right? Like I worked out alone beforehand. I was constantly looking at like the next video for the best way to work your triceps because I was so caught up in like this objective way. I'll talk about this time Tom in one of our episodes. I was so caught up with this objective way of looking at training. Like there must be some be all end all objective way of looking at everything that explains everything else, but that's not the case. And like the secret is accepting the subjectivity. Like, Hey, everyone is different. And like accepting that allows for you to overlay, or, you know, some of the more objective thought processes in terms of like, this is how everyone moves. This is how this is the muscles that everyone has. And then like, like knowing that there's a limit to the objectivity. Is almost freeing in a sense because it allows you to sort of take care of the subject of things.
1: 100%. I think the best, one of the best courses I ever took was uh, Physiopraxis, Sloptimal Loading, it's called, um, by Scott Morrison. He's a PT in like Oregon or Portland or something like that. Um, Portland, Oregon. <laughs> uh, he said, he said something along the lines of accepting uncertainty as a clinician and once you get to that level everything else is it makes your life just so much easier because nobody has it figured out and if they do if they say they do they're probably full of crap because you like just there's so many factors that go into especially pain pain is such a complex topic if somebody thinks they have pain figured out you already know they're full of shit. so accepting uncertainty is is a
0: huge.
1: Uh, paradigm shift that i had in the past year because you you know in the beginning you want to be right you want to help as many people as you can you come out you think you're saving the world um and and you you can you can do a lot of good but no thinking you know everything can also take you down the wrong path like i was saying before like thinking you can save everybody like post-op acl like that could also get you into some trouble and accepting the fact that you are uncertain about what's going on in that person's knee at that exact moment is a huge tool that can work to your benefit uh, when you're dealing with people. Because, you know, like I said, knowing when to say I don't feel comfortable or I don't know, even just saying I don't know is tremendous as a clinician and a trainer because you don't know everything. And lying to the person or, or trying to make up some answer is worse than saying you don't know. So I think um, the more you get into this industry, and I'm not saying I'm deep into this industry, I'm only, I'm not even, three years out yet and um you know and, and i don't claim to know everything and i think people appreciate that when i say i don't know this is what's worked for my clients and for me but i don't know the exact I'm talking about right <laughs> and i don't think it matters so hmm. I think that was one of the biggest things I've learned this year is is accepting uncertainty and not trying to pinpoint exactly every little thing or trying to optimize every workout because you just don't know. You know, maybe maybe that one workout was shitty because you didn't sleep enough, wasn't because you didn't take enough pre workout. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, good way to put
1: it. Different way to think, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. It's definitely refreshing. (laughs) And it's to a large degree, sort of, it's something that you've talked about, right? Like the idea of like the ego and everything, like oftentimes the ego is the death of the potential progress that you have to make, because if exactly exactly like you said, like you think, like, you know, everything you act like you do, you hamstring, I automatically hamstring the potential benefit that you can bring to people. right? Right. I
1: think that's, that's huge. And, and I, I'd like to think I do know a decent amount on, on, in this profession, but I'm not going to tell people, you know, that I know exactly what the hell's going on at all times, because that's just not how it goes. And pain especially is so much more that, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to steer people in the wrong way. And then God forbid, God forbid I say it's, let's just say, uh, you know, X tissue. And then they go somewhere else and they get an MRI and they tell them it's Z tissue. Now they look at you and say, well, why didn't you say it was this, you know, that's just, you're asking for a disaster there. So it's a recipe for disaster. And so I make sure that I, I use my, I pick my language very carefully with clients. I think the communication part is huge. Um, I make sure that they feel confident. Even if I do say that I am uncertain about something, I make sure that they're still confident when they leave the office with a plan, um, with specifics on the plan. Um, maybe it's not a specific tissue I'm targeting, but it's a specific plan, specifically for them.
0: Ooh. Tom, what do you think?
2: Oh, it's, just, it's just super refreshing to hear. And it's, yeah, I'm sort of just in awe, really, of like, how... <laughs> I don't know. It's just like everything you've said about how you practice there. I've just been like, I just completely agree. And, and at the same time it like saddens me that this isn't commonplace in the industry. It's just but, crazy. But it is know, crazy that go for it. No, but it's for every one practitioner who is doing stuff like you're doing. It's like, at least that's a step in the right direction. And hopefully you know, you can then reach out and give guidance to the people somewhere down the line and say, look, this is what you're being taught in schools. This is what I found worked, you know, keep this in mind. Obviously don't completely disregard the stuff you do in school. Otherwise, what's the point in going into all the debt? Exactly. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, yeah.
1: I just refreshing think, is a good word. That's what I usually get when I get somebody to shadow me. Um, usually the student leaves and they're like, that was much needed uh, refreshing because I'm in the middle of school and I'm conflicted on what I want to do. And, you know, it's just paying it forward like that and letting people know that they can practice like me is, is a blessing.
2: Yeah, especially seeing that, especially over sort of the past couple of years, chiropractors have sort of been kind of bastardized by certain people on the internet. And yeah, for sure and the internet in itself hasn't helped because like you see on like reels and stuff you've just got like people adjusting celebrities and everyone's like oh i now need to go and get you know my whole spine adjusted when actually (laughs) like and and then you and then it's also a shame on the other end where you have the chiropractors who say like you need to come back and see me every week for your adjustment so that i can align your spine properly and this is going to be the cure to all your problems but then it's, on the flip side, you've got people like yourself who are doing so much good in the industry. So complete credit to you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think I'm moving to New Jersey.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, I, I refuse. If you would look at my Instagram, I have yet to post a reel or a video strictly on an adjustment. The one time I posted um, the adjustment was in a video that went along with the rehab and stuff. But it was just a look into the full hour session and what we do. So that was the one time I did an adjustment. (laughs) Um, Of course I should probably do more, but there's just, again, if I don't agree with it, like I unfollowed all of my colleagues that post strictly adjustments, couldn't do it anymore. It hurt my soul. It was sending the wrong message. I don't agree with the message um, and I didn't want to see it anymore. And uh, because it's disheartening, right? Like that's just, I'm a chiropractor. So I get salty when people come in and they say, "Oh, you're not just adjusting me," no, absolutely not. I don't care what my title is. I'm still going to do what I think is going to be best for you. So that's how I that's how I approach it. And I don't and I don't think I'll ever go. I'm I'm not going to start posting adjustments now just for likes and shares. Um, I'm going to provide information that I feel like is valuable. Not show off, you know, a simple adjustment that we learned in Cairo school. You know, for thousands of shares and stuff. It's just not doesn't align with my my values.
0: Of value. I respect that. So, where can people find you on the internet?s
1: uh, Instagram only. <laughs> I tried TikTok. It's so hard. I can't do it. Yeah, can't do it. I'm Gen Z. I can not do it. Dude, I cannot do it. It's so. It's just too much. I mean, it's cool. Like I did a little. You know, a little quick seven second video but it's i don't know i can't balance all of them out so instagram's the best um rsm underscore athlete underscore doc um and facebook pages is is the same stuff basically so facebook's good too though and um that's really it if anyone wants to check check out yeah uh, the website's pretty dope um and i paid a lot for it so go check that out www.rsmsportsmed.com and um people can get some good information on there as well through the blogs and um some pictures and stuff a little bit about me on there and uh my background so the website's pretty cool
0: awesome dude i really really appreciate your time and not only your time you just you know you've helped me out a lot personally good so i really appreciate you i appreciate thank you, you
1: always you know supporting me too man i that never goes unnoticed so right. well, i appreciate it <laughs> Appreciate you, man. All right. Please enjoy the rest of your day. You guys, too. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you so much. You guys ever need anything? Hey, you're the man. Appreciate it. I will never charge
0: you guys. (laughs) 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 See you, fellas. See you. Take care. Legend. Legend. Should we stop recording now? (laughs) Yeah, probably. I'll keep that in, bro. That was, man, I love it. Alright, thank you for tuning in to the Multifarious Podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, please do share, tag us on Instagram, that whole thing, at the Multifarious Podcast, tag whoever the guest was, and tag myself and Tom at Saluji underscore A, and T.M.Henderson. Thank you again for the listen, and please enjoy the rest of your day.